And hello again, everybody. Welcome to the Hawkeye Huddle here on 1700 The Champ. Brett Ridge, Dave Creighton Jr. with you. G-Mix here in 5th uh, Street here in Valley Junction, West Des Moines. A lot of activity down here tonight, it's, uh, which is great. You know, you want to come down, be where it's at. Shop, well, the weather's shop, not horrible. The weather's not bad. People are out and about. You have to stop in, have a little food, say hi to us. We'll be here for the next hour talking everything in the world, the Iowa Hawkeyes. You realize we're down to like six shows. No. Us? Yeah. I mean, well, seven. Yeah, somewhere. Eight. Yeah. Well, Lord willing, we can go nine. Right? Well, you've you got know, but, January but, thirty-one, four in. That's five. February. At least two in March. That's seven. At least two in March, and usually three. Okay, we'll go with eight. Eight. And nine would be beautiful, right? Let's, nine. Let's nine would be something. I'm turning you up. You are. It's, it's it's a rarity. It doesn't happen very often. Here, it's a rarity. Okay. Um, we're going to open today with women's basketball. Much like ESPN did yesterday. Uh, apparently ticking off a lot of people who. Six minutes. Know, yeah. Oh, my gosh. ESPN showing six minutes of women's basketball. Well, you know what? It was the best basketball on television yesterday. Listen. The NBA doesn't have to be your lead story every night just because you're pimping it nonstop. Jeez That's right. Louise. And and last night, obviously, a big win for the Iowa women. Uh, they go on the road to number two, Ohio State. They come out with an 83-72 to 72 win. It's uh, the highest rated win that they've had since 1993 when they wow. knocked off Penn State, who was also number two in the country back in 1993. That 1993 team went to the Final Four. And lost to Katie Smith in Ohio State. of Ohio State yeah. in the Final Four. 73-72 they lost that one in overtime. That was, But that is a really good basketball team. And this is a really good basketball team coming in now at 16-4, uh, 8-1. At, uh, first place in the Big Ten, of course. Uh, they'll have Nebraska this week at home. Should be able to get through that and see if that ranking can climb a, a little bit uh, more even. But uh, if, you, if you were able to watch this game last night, first of all, it was a ton of fun to watch because – Lisa had the run and gun, the fun and gun going. I mean, they were pressing and running from the from the get go, and two things are, are immediately stand out when I, when they're doing that. One, for a larger girl, Monica Sazano runs the floor extremely well, gets out on the break, and picks passes out of the air and lays them in super fast. And oh, by the way, Caitlin Clark, you think about her as a shooter, a defender, a passer. She can also go coast to coast. There was there were two times in that game where she got the ball under the basket and raced up the floor, went by everybody and scored. She had 28, 10, and 5, or 28, 10, and 15. 15, yeah, triple-double. Triple-double. She has, did you see the stat? She tied D. Wade. Yes, she's the only, uh, only human ever uh, and only woman and only the second human ever to have a triple-double against a top-ten-rated team. Yes, in college. It's amazing. Which would make sense because they don't rate them in the NBA. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it, it was still it was a lot of fun to watch. I, I thought Iowa's game plan worked really well. They had to, with Mackenzie Warnock out uh, due to injury. She got hurt against Michigan State kind of in the middle of that second half and, and wasn't able to play. Uh, they started Molly Davis, uh, you know, and, and she didn't score a lot but, but didn't turn the ball over when that's Ohio State's bread and butter on, is the turnover. See, I, the thing that I, I liked the most was the defensive presence that they showed in the first three quarters because it was 
A lot of active hands. What would they oh, have yes. at 53 yes. or 54, I think, at the end of the third quarter? And in Iowa, I mean, Ohio State had a run in them, and we all knew that that was coming, right? But it still, at the end of the day, Iowa withheld that, held on through the run, and then went back and extended that out. Yeah, to, to a know, comfortable margin to, in the fourth quarter. Right, yeah. to, to the point that you weren't. I mean, I never was worried that they were going to. They got it to thirteen. Actually, had a chance to stick it up to to sixteen, but they added the thirteen and kind of just kept it around the ten, twelve, thirteen point range for the rest of the game. Right. And you're right. I think um, I I I thought it at the time that was about as good of half court defense as I've seen Iowa play, um, particularly against the talent level. Ohio State had some open three point shots, but Iowa was giving them those in lieu of easy layups. Men's team ought to take a, a, a look uh, at quick that note. On, you know. uh, yeah. By the way, on Sunday, the men's – or uh, Saturday, the men's team, 58% for two for Ohio State. 58%. Again, the trend continues. Yeah. If, <laughs> if I was going to play defense like that, they're going to lose. And and it, that should shock no one. It's, it's, it's a rule. It's not just a trend. That's not it's even a, a guideline. This, not, is, this is a, a rule. It's, it's this a is a rule. corollary. This should be a law. Perhaps even a, a commandment. I'll finish out on the the, the um, games for the women's games. Of course, they beat Michigan State last week, 84-81 uh, in overtime. And um, I don't know if you saw the end of that game. Where Caitlin. Well, what happened was they were in a stack. Didn't with she two, poke her in the face? There were two seconds to go, and they were stacked up. Iowa had the basketball up uh, up one, right? Yes. No. Up to up th- uh, up two. Sorry. Up up three. Upset. Up three. Up, up three. I had the ball. Up three. Two seconds to go. Games for all intents and purposes over. They stack up into a line. They're going to run their out of bounds play, and Caitlin Clark's arm gets hooked in with a Michigan State player, who then pulls it. F- she yanks it free, and as she yanks it free, it pops up, and she. She popped a bit, gallon. Bit, in the, bipped her. Popped a girl in the mouth. Now, it wasn't like she punched her, but if you watch the replay only, right, it sure looked like she just took a swing at the gal, right? In a dead ball moment. And in the worst piece of officiating that I think I have ever seen, they went to the monitor to figure out why this girl fell to the floor, and they called a phantom foul. So they literally used the replay to call a foul that had not been called on the floor. Not to assess whether the foul was, uh, whether a foul that was called was flagrant or whether there was uh, a ball, you know, an elbow flying somewhere. They literally call the foul solely and completely on replay without seeing what caused it. Do you know what this is called? VAR. So now we're employing soccer rules. Uh, it, it, by which we can determine if a foul was committed within... The penalty, the 18-yard area, if I'm not mistaken. That, that's what Soccer it is, heads. right? That's what, that's what it is. But even that, though, this is not like seeing if somebody's in and out of the lane. There was something that clearly they, what they were alleging, because Michigan State got two free throws and the ball then just happened. I stopped them and, and won the game. But what they were alleging is that Caitlin Clark literally stood in that line and, and decided to just punch her. Throw a punch. Well, that's what it clearly looked like from the replay. But clearly that – but you can't call a foul or you can't just make a call off of a replay. It's well, you, not in the rule book. Uh, okay. It's literally not in the rule book. You can't go over and go – Isn't that where Lisa basically lost her mind? Yes. 
Yes. And she should have lost her mind. It right. was it was it was absolutely brutal and they were happy they won the one game. Now, that having been said, Monica Sinano has forty four points in the last two games. She has shot twenty two of twenty is it twenty two of twenty four? Twenty six. Twenty two of twenty four. She's ninety one percent. In the last two ball games, sixty-six point two percent on the season, which the, is kind the, of the way these she are goes. Megan Gustafson well, numbers. So it begs the question for for her. She's overshadowed by Caitlin Clark in a lot of ways. It shouldn't isn't Monica Sanano a first team All American too? No. How not? Because of she uh, scores Boston twenty points at a, South Carolina. Who scores it, twelve points a game? Twelve on the best team 12. in the country. Yep, fine. I'm sorry. She's a she's you're the, the you're, standing uh, player of the year, right? Okay, so there's one. Okay, well, she plays the post, isn't? Isn't that the same uh, position? Uh, she scores twelve. Monica there's scores no chance 20. Monica's going to get a first team All American bid over it's, Boston. It's it's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. They're playing the same position ones, and they're both playing at a high level but on the high, top you're, ten your teams. Enti- the entirety of your argument is based on statistical data, not necessarily. Uh, oh, I don't in, th- in terms of what she's You're, bringing to that team, and she's not on the number one team in the country. Boston is, but she's on the number seven or eight team in the country. Not currently. Playing. Currently, they're twelve. Uh, uh, ten. Twelve. 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 They ten. That there was ten. twelve. Uh, I think they're tenth. I was pretty sure. I, I the game I watched last night they had twelve up there. Well, they've got a couple different rankings. We'll go with. What are we using? The FIFA rankings. Yeah. Number nine in the net. There you go. There you go. I saw the men. I get your 30, argument. 30, it's not an argument. It's, it's just I get where you're, why you're saying why it is. I just you start looking at it statistically, and she's not playing the slouch. She's not playing in the MAC. She's not playing. She's not playing in in, in you know, I, the lower levels. It. She's playing in the Big Ten and getting anyway. I think she's over. I think if she's on this team and it, Caitlin Clark is what, not there, Big Ten's probably second best women's basketball league. SEC's got to be one, probably. Yeah, you know. The American isn't because outside of Connecticut, what do right, we got? What right, are we talking about here, right, people? Right, <laughs> right. So, um, well, last I don't thing, know. I, you know, you I see would, what I'm saying though. The right? women, the women's uh, preseason schedule clearly helps the net. I mean, they, I mean, they had the normal whatevers, but I mean, they played some very good teams. Uh, yeah, the the loss on. to UConn is unfortunate. They had a five, maybe a five minute. Uh, they scored 80, eighty-three points last night and it had a six and a half minute drought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, efficiently, Lisa's offense is insanely good when they get going. They lead pass, they run, and they get. And Hannah Stolke, by the way, as a freshman, gets out on that break, too. Don't you wish that men would take some of that? Well, Iowa's got an incredibly efficient men's uh, high uh, men's. They really look look like it on Saturday with the 15, 18 turnovers, which is double their normal uh, turnover amount. But when they don't play good, they they play bad, well, they, and there's there's no there's no there's no middle ground there. I mean, we, they did score seventy seven points. Okay, and they gave up ninety three. Gave up ninety three or whatever it was. It was they, over ninety. So yeah, if, if we shift gears to that, um, they, obviously Northwestern game was postponed, so they go into Ohio State, clearly not flowing like they had, but they stuck with them. Ended up tying it right out of halftime, thirty seven thirty seven, right. And then gave up 56 points in the second half to Ohio State. I wouldn't say offense was their problem the other day as much as they yep. could. They played no post defense. Um, 58% they, you know, yeah. uh, two-point goals for Ohio State 
for the for the game. And again, if Iowa can't keep people around forty to forty five from two, they're going to lose. And it's it's that simple. Hold the two point shots, forty to forty five percent. Make them make them chuck it from the cheap seats. Whatever you know? they, they got it, head it, toppers in there. Try try to keep them under. 35 from three, if you can, and do not give up offensive rebounds, and don't and, and don't turn the ball over six times in the first four minutes. I mean, which is had been there. I mean, they were like 7.8 per game, and they had six turnovers there in the first four. Well, minutes. I didn't. So yeah, um, three <clears> in the first three turn, turnovers killed them. Uh, they were out rebounded only 36 to 29. I thought it was worse than that, but it was 36 50- to 29 is a significant. It's still difference. a seven. It's still a Seven, seven, seven trips, and uh, fifty to thirty-two points in the paint. That's where you're where, what you're talking about, right? right? It's it, that's where it really was a problem, and they couldn't, they just could not stop Ohio State at that point. And we've theorized that this is going to be something they're going to deal with off and on. They've seemed to have covered it up. I mean, these wins that they've had in this four-game winning streak prior to that. I mean, Maryland seemed pretty good. Michigan's beaten some teams. Indiana right has righted the ship. They're clearly, you know, they're clearly there, fine. There was a moment there I thought and, that Iowa actually had broken Indiana. I mean. Right. I, yeah, and, and but they hadn't. Indiana's come back, right? And Rutgers, uh, I think, has only lost one since then. They're beating Penn State tonight. They went on the road, won at Northwestern. Those were good wins. I hate the fact, and you and I said this on Sunday. Yeah. The thing that kills you about the Northwestern game, and you've admittedly we're chalking it up saying that Iowa would have won that game. Not sure it would have been a big win because Northwestern is okay, but I think Iowa would have won that game. They'd have gone to 5-3. and three. The loss at Ohio State's 5-4, and four, and with Michigan State on the road at the Resolute Center on Thursday night. Worst case scenario, you're sitting at 5-5 five and five coming back home for Rutgers. Now you're sitting with a two-game losing streak at 4-5, and five, a lot more desperate when you you're, come home for these home games. You're assuming they're here. losing on Thursday. Yeah. That, that's, that's if you lose, right? To, to Michigan State. And I'm not sure that's the case. Who, but, yeah, who's yes. not the Michigan State that we all have embedded into our head that Tom Izzo's basketball team is completely unbeatable at home? Because they're not. And, and honestly, they don't, they don't have the offensive threat that they used to have all the time. They don't have the point guard that literally could dominate the game, and they don't have anybody. That in, they don't have, and at they all. don't right. have anybody on the inside who who just beats you up in a, in the manner that you're so accustomed to from a Michigan State team. So, I think Iowa matches up okay with them. I mean, it's still on the road. It's still going to be a difficult. We're still the Breslin Center, and you still got Tim, Tom Izzo, which means you're going to be four fouls down to start the game. Mm-hmm. So these are things that they're going to have to overcome uh, in order to, to walk out of you know Michigan State with a victory. Is it doable? Absolutely. Probably more so than I can remember in a long time. Well, two years ago, remember, they went in there and somehow got on a roll and were up 30 at halftime, right? It doesn't happen very often, but every once in a while it does. And it's a, so it, it is quite possible. And Michigan State has a, uh, a tendency as a team to prepare for the Purdue's and Illinois of the world a little bit differently than they do the Iowa's of the world, unless Iowa is ranked. When well, Iowa's a ranked team, they get a little bit more notice. But when they're unranked, you can sneak up on them a little bit. Let, yeah, they're kids, right? Let's put it this way. Northwestern has snuck up on Michigan State more than almost anybody else in the Big Ten going up there and winning games. It's a, it definitely happened. Now, uh, they, so that's 6 p.m. on uh, Thursday night, Fox Sports 1. 
Rutgers on Sunday at home, 1 p.m., and then they're going to jam that Northwestern game in next Tuesday night after we're here uh, on the 31st. You're and, bailing on the game watch. Uh, I might not, particularly since, it's it, uh, as I have declared, it is it, my dry January is over on the 30th. All right, there so, we go. Uh, <laughs> Uh, hey, hey, this just in. If you're up for I have Guinness Zero here in front of me at, uh, at G-Mix. That's a bonus. This is the best non-alcoholic beer I've had in a long time. Anyway, okay, we're going to take a break. we got Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com on the other side. Confirmed, Tom Caker. Confirmed. we got a little football news. we got wrestling. we got some baseball. we got all kinds of stuff going on. We'll be back on the Hawkeye Huddle on 1700 The Champ and 101.3 FM. Here at G-Mix, Brett Ridge, Dave Creighton Jr. with you. Fifth Street, Valley Junction, West Des Moines. Come on on. Join us for the next 45 minutes or so as we continue to explore the world of the Iowa Hawkeyes. I just threw like six subject matters at David, so he has no idea where I'm going next. All I, he knows is that Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. I actually did know we were going to go to Tom Caker. <laughs> is on the line, and that way he knows we're going to at least uh, we're actually we'll greet Tom. And Tom, I think we'll probably dive into um, the, the football transfer portal right away because there's a little bit of activity, a little ray of light with a couple of guys maybe coming in this weekend. Yeah. Um, first off, uh, hello to you guys. Yeah, um, hello. hello. Good to have you, with, Tom. Uh, potentially uh, Nick Jackson, linebacker from Virginia that Iowa's got some pretty good connections with. Um, and uh, he's a really good linebacker and would probably start. Um, he'll be coming in town uh, this weekend, it looks like. And then uh, also just uh, confirmed today that uh, Rusty Feth, who is an offensive lineman from Miami of Ohio, played for George Barnett, Iowa's offensive line coach there. He just entered the transfer portal and is uh, headed to Iowa City this weekend for an official visit. So um, both those guys couldn't join Iowa until uh, after graduation in May, because they'll be graduating in May. So um, you still got uh, that uh, happening, but at least you're getting them on campus and potentially securing a commitment to them, uh, at least verbally, uh, from from those guys. And if you get that, then, um, you know, that's adding a little depth to the offensive line and adding some uh, depth and experience at linebacker with, you know, Seth Benson and Jack Campbell both moving on and, and Justin Jacobs uh, transferring to Oregon. Well, the Jackson kid was a three-time All ACC player. I mean, we're not. I mean, he's yeah. not just right. He's not just a starter he's coming from. Yeah, he's good. And Feth, uh, apparently, second-team All MAC uh, as a center uh, offensive lineman. So these are guys who actually he's a center. He can play center. So center I was going to go. I was going to go there uh, next. Oh, guard. Okay. Is that a what do you think about that, Tom? I mean, with the struggle with, with the struggles at center this year, I know it's first-year player. Uh, it, it, Tom's it, saying he's going to play guard. He's going to play guard. Okay. So well, that's yeah, I, I would the, guess the, guard unless you, something unless something really changes. I know that Iowa feels really good about Logan Jones and okay. uh, Michael Mislinski. Okay. Um, tell you what, these, so these are the types of uh, of guys that I was hoping would kind of bubble up the service. Now, David and I were talking the other day. We were watching we were watching uh, uh, the NFL game on Sunday. And uh, we're like looking at each other. How are these guys entering the portal? Didn't realize. So grad transfers are allowed to enter the portal anytime right now. Yep. It's it's the rest of them yep. that have to wait for it to be open, right? So there's two periods for the rest yep. of them, right? 
Yeah, there's there's two periods for other guys, and one of them just closed, and then there's another one in May. So that was no. the Charlie Jones period. Yes. <laughs> Essentially, yes. Well, that, well, not necessarily. I don't even think they the, the, the time frame for the portal really kind of started um, this year. Oh, okay. So last year was uh, Wild Wild West. Yeah, and plus uh, Charlie was a grad transfer, so he could go in. Uh, that's true. He could go anytime. Right. That's true. I forgot about that. All right. Well, um, last little bit on football. Uh, no coaching changes made yet, but it sounds like there's still more some more rumors out there. Um, Brian Ferentz was trending all day on Twitter. It, right. <laughs> it, it, I, um, nobody's firing anybody, I think, as we've we've seen. But it, it sounds like you know there might be some movement in there. Well, pay attention. I'm only mentioning that. I'm even asking Tom the question. And unless you happen to know exactly what's happening, Tom, I'm not going to have you um, theorize. But we're going to leave the f- subject of football, and we'll just say there's a few things that might happen in the next couple of weeks, and we'll see what happens. Maybe I, I don't. I don't. Well, I'll, I'll add this. There's a report on uh, Pro Football Talk that uh, New England has or is just about ready to hire an offensive line coach, and his name is Adrian Clem. So there you go. So the Bill O'Brien connection in New England that would then eliminate one well, Mr. Brian Ferentz from that. Well, without team. with unless of course you would take. I the didn't tight. think Brian was leaving anyway. I, I thought right. that was like the yeah. only possibility, and I really didn't think it was going to happen. I think we're we are trending heavily towards Brian Ferentz being back, uh, directing the Iowa offense, as I've kind of said for a while. Right. Well, is there any chance we can get back to the Brian Ferentz of 2017, where were the <laughs> Hawks averaged 38 points and and uh, you know threw the ball into the end zone and did all of those types of things uh, with having an experienced, accurate quarterback in Cade McNamara? Um, sure. I to me, you know, Dockerman did a great had a great statistical article about. Just comparing Spencer and Cade in terms of accuracy, and it had to do with very quick passes. Uh, Ball out of your hands in under two and a half seconds or whatever, and Spencer's accuracy was like 60%, and Cade McNamara was like 72. Yeah. And, I mean, that's that's a significant difference if you're trying to have those kinds of plays um, on your offense because it does – it allows you to, to have positive gains instead of second and ten. You know, and those are the kinds of things that – and maybe this is what Brian was saying. You know, I did the best I could with everything I had. It, and he was trying yeah. trying very very deferentially to not say that the guys I had weren't quite as good as I had hoped they to be. Yeah, I, I, I've contended um, that much of Iowa's struggles the last two years and, – and, again, you can – firmly point a finger at the coaching staff for this. Right, um, they're the ones that recruited they recruit them. the players. They recruit the players, but um, my contention is it is much more of a uh, personnel issue than a person issue. Um, that is that to say that, that it's not Brian that's the bigger issue. It's the players that Brian and the rest of the staff have recruited that, you know, when, when he had Hawk and Fant and, um, you know, Tyler Goodson and um, Amir Smith-Marset. Smith, I yeah. mean, the offense did okay, you know. It, well, and you had Nate okay. Stanley throwing the ball, right. 
and they had Nate Stanley. And, and, you know, the quarterback play, God bless Spencer, but, you know, he struggled. Right. There's no two ways about it. He did. And, and, it, um, it, and it does you influence. You hope that Cade, Cade McNamara can, can kind of solve some of this. And it does well, influence it, the play calling because it, where I when I come down to Iowa only throwing the ball into the end zone four three uh, times or four seven times, times in seven I think it's, it's three times in the, uh, the entire All year fair. right I mean what are you doing you're not even trying right are you throwing short short of the goal line on what, every, po- that, every play what, but here, right, the, is that all here's he had the thing right? you, here's the Here's the thing you don't know you don't know if a play was called for him to do that and it wasn't there and Spencer just didn't throw it there, or that, if that's it was true. a play called by yep. Bryant. Yeah, right. don't it, know. It seems it seems frustrating, but we don't know. You're right, and I, and I also I, you know, I, could you imagine if the, if coaches shared the all twenty two and the commentary that went on <laughs> uh, after every play and shared well, it in the media? I, what, what that would what that would look like? I mean, if every team did it. That would be insane. I can't remember which game there was. There was one where Brian was just visibly, visibly on the uh, upset with the fact that that Spencer did not throw the ball where the, the play was called for. Right. right, and he and he, it, it was. If you're watching on the sideline, you. I mean, it, it happened a number of times. All right, so that that could happen. The only only thing that could really probably happen then is if somebody chooses to retire, move around, you shift some guys around, some duties and whatnot, but. We'll see how that goes. Um, we, we've already kind of spent quite a bit of time on women's basketball, Tom, uh, after, after last night's big victory. Uh, and pro- I think we're going to do our fifth street five on that. So let's move over to uh, the men's side of things. And uh, they're going to they're gonna jam a bunch of games into a week and a half period here coming up. Um, but right now I was sitting um, in a, still in a pretty good position. If they can kind of get back to what they were doing two weeks ago, they're in a pretty good position still for the NCAA tournament. You guys broke it down on, on HawkeyeReport.com uh, last week. Um, and today and this week, things really haven't changed a whole lot in terms of where they're projected bracketology-wise. Yeah, it really hasn't. I mean, I think they're probably sitting between, you know, seven, eight, nine, probably. And, um, you know, they're, they're not favored to win on Thursday night in East Lansing and, um, may lose that game, and um, and then you go to uh, um, you get back home, and you get another three. You, you know, didn't work out to get three in a row at home, but you know, get three in a row hopefully this week or the next week. You know, with Rutgers and Northwestern, and then uh, Illinois coming to town on a Saturday for a sold out game. So, I think there's uh, you know Iowa could go on a little bit of a run again, and. Um, and up that seed, um, I, I still think they're pretty sitting pretty good in the analytics. They're four and four against uh, teams in the top quad, so I, I think that's pretty solid. Um, helps that Indiana's kind of righted that ship a little, uh, because then that win looks a little bit better. Um, so we'll, we'll see how they do, but I, I, I still think this team. You know, if you look at some of the sites that, you know, one of them that does, like, projections for the season. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, I don't know if they'll get to Des Moines, but, yeah. um, but you know, Iowa State's probably sitting pretty good right now for Des Moines. But I think one of the things you're looking at is that potentially they're, um, they could get a double buy in the Big Ten tournament. Right, and that's just as important almost to to anything yeah. as you had in. Especially with the team that's. Right. that's 
especially with a team that's playing their big men, uh, you know, 35 to 40 minutes a night. <laughs> so speaking of, of speaking, big, of, that, yeah, speaking yeah. of big men, I mean, it sounded like there was rumor that Patrick was thinking about coming back last Wednesday until that game got postponed, and obviously he did not play on Saturday at Ohio State. Do you think we'll see him this Saturday or Thursday or any any inklings out of Carver Hawkeye on that? Um, yeah, a little bit. I, I do think he's probably going to play, but I can't say for 100%. We're going to talk to Fran tomorrow. Uh, late morning uh, to kind of preview the the Michigan State game, and we'll find out if uh, if Patrick will be back uh, then. I but I think he's probably he was pretty close from what I understand to coming back uh, for the for that game. But you may want to wait too and and just come back and play at home and not have to worry about the, the anxiety of uh, playing on the road. Well, um, and that that was actually my zone, thought. Who Hold could on. be? Yeah, the Izone can be pretty unforgiving. It, right. <laughs> you know it, I mean? Well, right. It would it, with it, seriously think about think about what they could yes. pull out with yeah. it, right? Who knows? But you know, the thing, a game like last Saturday, though, Tom, is one that um, stands out where you need one more sizable option, right? Now, granted, they don't use him in the post like I like I actually think now they probably should based on the success we've seen with with uh, Peyton Sanford and and, and Josh Dix. Um, I I think yeah. they should use move Patrick a little bit more into the post and and have him help out Philip Raracha. Um, but if and if they did, I think that would be really big for this basketball team. Because clearly, the other day when things weren't working down low, they had no other options. Yeah. Um... They've just got to continue to work on this and and uh, and see if they can uh, get a win on 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 Thursday night. Um, you know, I kind of went into the last two games thinking, boy, if they could get a split, but right last Saturday was just you know that it would have been uh, beneficial for Iowa if uh, if Ohio State had 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 been coming in on a win. That five losses in a row, you're coming back home. That was just a schedule yeah, loss. Recipe, recipe for a disaster. Yep. Yep. So yeah, just is, a schedule loss. So now, it, now it's just ne- Iowa has had some success in in recent years up at the Breslin, um, but you know it's been a house of horrors for years where they traditionally go up there and get beat by thirty. You remember Fran slammed the yes. chair down earlier in his coaching career and bent that chair up, and then they sold it off for charity, which was awesome. <laughs> but um, but. Um, I just, you know, if, if they come out and shoot the ball, well, hit like 10 threes, um, I think they're going to win. Well, I, said, the, I, I just don't think like the state's all that good. They'll be without Malik Hall. Um, but it's going to be a change. Uh, how is this game uh, officiated? We know how yeah. Michigan state likes to play and we know how a home field helps out. Uh, the home court helps out. Well, that's just it. They had ele- Hawks had 11 threes against Ohio State the other day, but they had no answer inside when it came to trying to defend. And I think that that's really where it comes down. Are they able to defend in the paint at all? And if they are, and they then they shoot the ball like they did on Saturday, that'd be fine. Hey, thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. We'll catch you again next week. Okay. Tom okay. Kicker, HawkeyeReport.com. We'll be back on the Hawkeye Huddle. Wrap things up on 17 under the champ, 101.3 FM. And we're back here, G-Migs in West Moines. Brett Ridge, Dave Creighton Jr. with you. 
And uh, we want to make sure we thank the great sponsors on our program, not only including G-Migs, who's been our host now for uh, five years. Uh, Caroline and I were talking the other day. We were trying to figure out when we did this. I think it was five. We had the COVID hiatus year. But, yeah, I think it's five. Well, we we were good. We were good until March. No, we, we, that next year we ended up over at the uh, foundry. Oh, that's Remember? right. because yeah. On Thursdays. Because uh, they took out seating. Yes, right. We were and that was before we had the patio. Right. Right on. Right. AMPM Plumbing, they do plumbing and call them anytime. Another thing, I heard very exact same thing. I was in Phoenix last week, and I heard a, there's another, there's a call us anytime. Day uh, or night, day same or night. price. Yep. Uh, but AMPM Plumbing here in the Valley Junction area, they're located, but they'll go anywhere here, of course, in the Des Moines metro area. Uh, Gatehouse Pictures, appreciate uh, them powering up the HawkeyeHuddle.com. You can pick up our podcast tomorrow morning at the HawkeyeHuddle.com. And who am I? Oh, I can't forget Brian Houck, Key Mortgage, sitting right here. And Angie Lancaster, uh, Remax uh, Concepts, and appreciate their support of the Hawkeye Huddle as well. And the Blue Ribbon Bacon Festival. Oh, uh, bacon. Coming up in uh, May, correct? Yes, uh, May 12th. At the Iowa State Fairgrounds. Two-day uh, event. We're going to be out there at that point in time having a good time. Uh, try and we'll have hats. That. We will have, we will get hats. All right. Um, did want to pass it on very quickly. Uh, condolences to the Bear family, Nicholas and Michael, of course, former basketball players at Iowa. And the reason their father, John, passed away this weekend. Uh, and I only really mention that partially because uh, he was the guy that gave me my first job in sports journalism. He was a, the, the sports director at KGA on TV in Cedar Rapids uh, when I was in college. And I worked for, the, for him for a year and a half and uh, had a really good time doing it. So uh, sad for the family and sad passing uh, of John Bear. So our condolences go out to them. Um, moving on to wrestling. Uh, Spencer Lee, again, the most impressive uh, man in the East. The Big Ten Wrestler of the Week. Did you know that he's only been that twice this year? Did you know that he pinned the uh, previous week's Big Ten Wrestler of the Week in 38 seconds? That's only the third fastest pin of his career. (laughs) He's done it. So he's got two pins in under 38 seconds. And I I was reading an article that the wrestling fans – obviously in Iowa are without question the smartest in the country, but they always make sure that they are in their seats a good seven to eight minutes prior to. Because it could happen fast. Because you don't want to be in line for the Carver Cone when Spencer Spencer Lee comes out with We Will Rock You uh, is his walkout song because it may not be over before it's over. that's, That's right. Iowa won that uh, meet on Friday night, 34-6. to six, That was an th- ass-whooping. It was, over number 11, Nebraska. But then on Sunday, tough one. Even in matches, they won 19-18 to 18 at Wisconsin. Tony Cassiope had to uh, uh, come from behind to get a decision at heavyweight to tie the meet at 18, and then Iowa won on criteria. More takedowns? Uh, it's got to do with takedowns. Um, back uh, points. Back points. It, it falls, uh, all those different. On the criteria, they win at 19 to 18. To keep themselves 12-0 and on the year and number two uh, in the A little the bit rankings. of a look ahead and uh, mental well, come and, down after uh, Friday night. Warner didn't wrestle, and I'm not sure if I think he might be a little dinged up. He didn't wrestle, and Nelson Brands didn't wrestle. They put, had a couple guys in there whose names I didn't recognize. Right. They both lost. 
And so uh, suddenly things become a little, you know, the, the, the scales tip fairly quickly when that happens. But, but, yes, the big one is Friday night. They're at Penn State on the Big Ten Network. Uh, I believe that's a 730. 730, I'm yes. pretty sure. Yep. Uh, Penn, and, and a lot of other uh, big matches coming up. They've got Minnesota, Michigan, and Okie State. But this is the big one. Number one versus number two, and they're going to go in and try to see if they can take care of business against Kale Sanders. That will be quite the environment over there. They, they'll be at the bigger, the, the big arena in Penn State for that one. Baseball, I'm throwing this out just because I haven't seen this before. Iowa, Prospect, uh, Prospect Live has Iowa ranked number 18 in their top 25 to start the year. No kidding. So, hey, you got to throw that out there. That's I've not seen them ranked before. And, by the way, Irvindale's Ty Langenberg is the uh, perfect game preseason Big Ten Pitcher of the Year announced this week, too. So that's Did pretty I cool. I know that. That's pretty cool. Keaton Anthony also on the preseason Big All-Big Ten team. Of course, he was. Do we know yeah, really good last year. I I don't remember playing with him. Well, with him, he, right? he's, he's quite a, a couple, bit younger than our yeah, boys. We're so. finally we're finally getting out of where we probably would know every family. But uh, and by the way, Brody Brecht is the uh, Big Ten's top draft uh, prospect for 2024 coming out of this season. So those are things that are happening. Baseball gets started here in about a month. Practice opens on Friday. Um, we're going to do our Fifth Street Five now. Brought to you by uh, the good folks at Private Wealth Asset Management here in Valley Junction. That's Private Wealth Asset Management. And, of course, they want to promote all the businesses that are currently open and, and seeing a lot of business tonight. The restaurants and shops down here on 5th Street invite you to come down and uh, take a look at what's going on down here in this great neighborhood. Um, but we're, we're locking in on uh, after last night's win at a sold-out, by the way, a sold-out Value City Arena. It wasn't a small crowd. Uh, after last night's big win over number two, uh, Ohio State, um, we're looking at the top five women's signature hoops games that we can remember right? Uh, as far as Iowa women's basketball. Well, the, the first one that came to my mind when, when you, you and I were talking about this this morning was the game where they, the fire chief nearly it, got fired it, in it, Iowa yep. City. And they, and they were setting, a, I think at the time, at the NCAA, time it was a record. NCAA yep. record for the uh, largest crowd. At a women's basketball game in college, yes. Were they playing Ohio State that game? They played Ohio State. Yeah, okay. Uh, it was 20, I think 22,500. I was there. They um, they basically let everybody in for free. Right. Um, and there were people literally sitting in the aisles, right? right. We had seats. I, I remember my dad and my sister and I went, and we stood in line for quite a while to get in, and we ended up with seats. But then people just kept pouring in, and they didn't know what to do, and they let them in. Um, Iowa lost that game by like eight points, but uh, Ohio State was – Top rated right. in Iowa wasn't at the time, but it was a big deal for C. Vivian Stringer to come in and make that happen. And they that put Iowa basketball on the map, literally did. And then, as we know, she went legendary from there. So that one, that one has to be in your top five somewhere uh, along the lines. Um, last time Iowa beat uh, a, a highly ranked team, as we mentioned uh, earlier in the show, number two Penn State. In 1993, 78 to 68, that's probably in the top five somewhere. I think it's the other highest-rated team. I don't believe they've ever beaten number one. I don't think that they have, although they did beat. They have beat the number one seed in the NCAA basketball tournament when I in in their region or whatever uh, to go to the Final Four, which is also one of my one of my games when they beat Tennessee to go to the Final Four uh, under C. Vivian. In 1993, in, same year, as, same the, year. As, the, as the upset. I was there, by the way, for that what one, was the, what I was, was I was just finishing up school, right? Who was, so the, was, who was the stud on that team? Um, 
She's one of the two women. Is that Michelle Ice Edwards? Is that, yes. Is that her, yes, that, that is exactly who it is. Uh, they had a number of great players, obviously, through um, even in, then into Angie Lee's time, uh, a number of great players. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I remember that was a blowout, 72-56, and that not an unexpected uh, blowout. Um, I'm going to go. We're going to throw out here, um, I think, uh, the, the uh, game that people are kind of forgetting about very recently. Last year, the last right. game, senior day, they played Michigan at home. Michigan was ranked number five in the country. That's a top five team. Came into Carver Hawkeye Arena. Iowa had to win to win the Big Ten regular season championship, and they went off and they won one hundred four to eighty. One hundred four blew them out, and um, I think that's a signature victory that people forget about because we went on and won the Big Ten championship as well. But a signature win there as well. And then I think you can go with probably any number of these Big Ten championship wins that they've had over the years. Uh, you know, uh, beating um, Indiana, of course. They beat Maryland. They had one against Ohio State. We're going to throw the, all those together as, uh, right. as, our, as our top five other ones. But I really thought last year that Michigan game was one that proved to everybody what kind of a team they had because Michigan had beaten them pretty badly. Well, in, too. and that was also the game, if I'm not mistaken, where Kevin Durant tweeted after the game at Caitlin Clark like, Girl, what are you wait, doing wait, wait, wait. shooting those balls from the logo, which has now become her thing? It, it really has. And, um, you know, if you look. Uh, Peyton the rest, Sanford had one for the, the logo. They've the got night. one more game that's not on uh, actual television. It's just on BTN+. Plus. The rest of their games you are all watch. on. And this one this weekend against Nebraska. Just Nebraska. is on Fox. There you go. Not Fox Sports. Not FS1. It's on Fox. Fox right? 17? Yeah. Yeah. So this is a you know this program is attracting uh, eyeballs to the to the uh, to the screens. Uh, last night ESPN two they got a couple of FS ones, Foxes, ESPNs down the road here. Everything on there or the Big Ten Network, and of course once they get into the Big Ten uh, tournament, all those will be on. So you can watch them, and I, and they're getting the ratings, and that's why they put them on TV that's because right. Caitlin Clark brings them in. And it's, <laughs> She's it's she is. Without question, a extraordinarily special player, and we're lucky to have her, and we're, we're going to be lucky to have her come back next year. I hope. Um, I guess she could. Opt. Do, they leave, do they leave early? I don't know. I, I, I never. Don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't recall. Think her money is as attractive in the in the women's. Well, not, game, considering she's got a pretty nice nil deal with Nike, yep. um, and hopefully a new one with Red Bull. We'll find that out soon. I saw some statistic that there are few, there were fewer players declaring for the NFL draft this year. Um, quite a few because of players. nil because the nil deals they've got are, ma- are making them enough money that they're not being drawn immediately into the pros. Well, and it's actually really smart considering the number of kids who uh, declare and then don't get drafted. Right, um, and that does happen. Yes, <laughs> Tyler Goodson. Um, right. Uh, so we got about a minute. So is that what we got? All right, last call for uh, for this week. I think they're uh, going one on one on the men's side. They're going one on one. I do too. And I um and I I'm not sure which way that's going to go. Oh, they're going to win. I think. You think they're it's gonna, the home one? I think they're going to beat Rutgers at home. I feel like that. I feel like if they get Michigan State, uh, Rutgers might be a little, just it's just that much tougher to play that that physical ball that many. Here's the thing. But you get you the got, extra day. That's a nice. You, you thing. Did, right. Because um, you got to wait till Sunday. I, I think they're going one on one too. That's the best we can go with. We were right last week again. There so you we'll go. see. I bet. Either way. All right. Hey, join us next week right here, six o'clock. Uh, at G-Mix. At G-Mix. And on 1700 The Champ, 101.3 FM for the Hawkeye Huddle.